you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Dan Seabrook, and I'm here today with Freak Heminger, head of EMEA Marketing at Suit. How are you today, Freak? I'm fine, thank you. Good. So, Freak, thanks for joining us. Today, we'll be talking about how to market an open source company. But before we go into that conversation, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself to our audience and uh, also tell us more about yourself as well as SUS, uh, which is, of course, the company you're representing. Okay, no problem. So, yeah, I'm heading up uh, marketing for EMEA. And the main task that we have here at SUSE is actually to generate demand and uh, to generate leads in order to fuel our pipeline. Uh, that's the, the main reason of, uh, of our being. The team actually consists of uh, a number of field marketing managers that spread across uh, the, the, the geography. And obviously they take care of uh, the actual planning and deployment in, in their respective region and also in country. Um, I'm with SUSE just over uh, three and a half years now, actually also in this role. Before I came on board at SUSE, I spent about three years uh, at a service provider where I was responsible for marketing as well as actually for establishing their indirect routes to market. Um, and also including that was my responsibility for their alliances relationships. Uh, prior to that, I spent uh, my time as a field marketing manager in, uh, in Veritas Software and actually from the acquisition of Veritas by Symantec, I was joining the EMEA team where I was handing up channel marketing for about eight years all in total. So pretty much uh, an indirect route to market background in conjunction with marketing um, and also in terms of uh, the rest of the partner landscape uh, alliances has also been a big part of uh, of my past experience. Okay. So that's just me for a little bit about myself and my background. Excellent. And in terms of the company, obviously SUS are a, are a slightly uh, different beast in that you're not you're not a, a normal sort of SaaS solution or you're not a normal solution where the sales guys go out and sell it and then you go away a year later and, and, and get a renewal or whatever. You're an open source software company. So could you provide a, a, a bit of background on your business and, and the solutions you're offering and, 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 and mm-hmm. the way in which you're set up? Absolutely. I've never dealt with open source myself before, uh, just to put that, uh, to, to make that clear up front. So for me, it was also a completely new journey when I uh, when I onboarded SUSE. Uh, but actually, SUSE is, uh, is the, as we call it, the open, open source company. And we work with an ecosystem of partners and communities, uh, whereby we deliver enterprise-grade open source software-defined infrastructures and also application delivery solutions. So very much on the, on the platform layer and the infrastructure layer uh, where we're actually providing our services for and on. But obviously, all of that is also backed by our services and support to make sure that customers are getting a continued support on uh, on the solutions that are actually consuming from us. And you know, many people ask themselves, like, what about this open, which is, I think, a very valid question to ask. But what it really means for us is that open means more than just software and then the open source software uh, as such. So for us, it's more of a business model and a culture. So we're also very keen to live it throughout our organization. You know, we're leveraging our Linux heritage because that's where we have emerged from. We also deliver open source solutions across other areas. 
And we are very keen to make sure that whatever we develop, whatever we sell in terms of solutions and services into our customers, that we actually really make sure that there is no kind of vendor lock-in or anything like that. So we really want to make sure that customers have always the freedom of choice um, and therefore also never will feel locked in by ourselves. So that's a very important message I want to, to get out here. And what we're also doing is on that platform and infrastructure layer is helping customers in their journey on the digital transformation because obviously that's uh, the big theme these days, uh, although since a number of years, but it's a, it's a very long journey for most companies. Some have uh, only just started, but we're very keen that we actually help and support uh, end user customers on that journey uh, towards a digital transformation of their business. Okay, excellent. Well, I appreciate the, the background and it uh, seems like uh, both yourself, you've got a, I guess, a, a long um, and relatively sort of focused background between channel and marketing and then Suits as a, as a, as a company has kind of developed out of the Linux open source background into the, into the business that you are today that you just described. Now, one of the things that we just touched on there, being an open source, open source uh, software company, the nature of this business, of course, in your role is that there must be a balance between marketing the brand, as in SUSE, and, and the software that, and the technology itself, as well as, to your point a few minutes ago, around the services and the support and subscriptions that ultimately generate the revenue for an open source company. In your role, you mentioned that um, primarily marketing are, are in place to generate demand and generate leads, but where do you see the main focus? What do you see the main focus as being? And how do you think that differs from your traditional enterprise software company? Yeah, very good question. And in fact, actually, it is uh, always a balancing act to, to address both areas. And in a way, I find it comparable to the traditional software vendors. However, that said, where we have to deal with uh, is also an, an upstream community where we still have to make sure we're driving awareness around our brand, but also around our solutions for the respective open source projects that these upstream communities are responsible for or that they represent. And for our core solutions, we must continue to build the market awareness of the problem to which you know, we believe the open source is the solution to. And also then lastly, what we can offer in order to help them do that. Um, so, so open source is, is in a way, all about communities, whether it's uh, your partner ecosystem, which we sort of call the, down, the downstream communities or the downstream uh, areas, uh, but equally important is also the, the upstream. So I'm not sure how, how well aware you are of these upstream communities, but what I have started to experience is that, you know, actually it's just like a big fan base around this particular project. So it's a very different way of how you're dealing with that. So it's not about the hardcore marketing message that is completely setting people off and upsetting them at the same time. Um, so you really have to make sure that you're really contributing by by knowledge, you know, that you bring value to the conversation. So it's more of a dialogue style if you want as well. And we also need to make sure that we have a representation of SUSE in these key open source projects in order to make sure that, you know, people in that community are also receptive to what we bring to them. So it's all about, you know, give and take. And, and it's not about actually going in with sort of a traditional hardcore marketing message because, again, that is not working at all. So you have to be treating it in a way that, you know, people feel that you as a brand are actually bringing value to their community. 
Yeah, and and that's an interesting point you're making there, which is the nature of those uh, individuals that reside within the upstream community, which are, I'm guessing, developers and and similar sort of roles, uh, just by their very nature of of their role and the the type of person that typically goes into that role, they don't really react well to that that standard sort of direct sales and marketing approach, which is engaging with them from cold and just trying to, to push products and messages down their throat. I think they... They're, they're difficult to find on places like LinkedIn and Zing and, and and all of those sort of social media platforms. They don't really want to make themselves publicly available. So I think to your point, that that marketing around sort of knowledge sharing and being a trusted advisor and and being part of that community is, is, is seen to be extremely important for them. I guess uh, we, we're touching on that now, which leads me to my next question, which is clearly marketing strategy for a company like yourselves is to build relationships with those communities both the upstream communities and downstream communities which of course are the, are the partners now as we both know communities tend to be built organically although you can of course accelerate that as as a business and there are many ways to both positively and as you just mentioned negatively influence communities but we'll focus on the positive now now, so from from your perspective, what are some of the marketing tactics, whether at SUSE or, or just generally, that you can apply in order to uh, develop and uh, and also maintain the communities that you're that you're building? Yeah, well, we do that through multiple tactics. So you know, of course, you can think about some of the the, the big open source uh, projects that have their own conferences attached to it. You know, this particular week we had uh, the Foundry Summit in The Hague. Uh, you've got KubeCon, you have Open Source Summit. Um, there are so many of these conferences. So that's where you have an ability to do engage with, with, you know, with at least a very specific community because that's sort of more of a contained way to uh, to approach it. Um, bear in mind that actually a lot of uh, the tech people are quite active though on Twitter. And also what you typically see, and you know, I don't want to generalize here, but what we generally see uh, is that people are also very keen about you know, their reputation. So also this is about what they bring to their community, how they're being perceived, and obviously you know, how, how valuable people will see that, that individual is in terms of their knowledge and transfer of that, as well as uh, some of the ideas and perspectives they bring to the community. So we also want to make sure that through the digital channels, we're playing that well, uh, and we're engaging actively in in these conversations. So so that's one way of doing it. Um, On the other hand, uh, just before I describe that, um, I also want to sort of give a perspective where we sit in the whole whole solution. Because in a way, SUSE is is a bit like an engine inside a car. Most people don't really think about their engine when they purchase a car, and, you know, unless you're needing maximum performance uh, for a race car, for example, but that's just on a different topic. But actually, you know, we are just part of that of that car, and most businesses are being addressed with a mix of you know, independent hardware vendors, channels, system integrators, and such, and that actually sort of all together have an, an integrated, augmented way of, of, of their sellers to bring that car to the market. So within our go-to market, uh, we have multiple routes to market we need to cater for, and we need to make sure that also the receptiveness to our solutions uh, is well understood by their sellers, um, who you know, typically do control often the sales engagement before we get involved, but also that they are able to articulate the value that we bring. So in terms of influencing uh, or engaging uh, with with the audiences we are not you looking just at sort of these upstream communities where we you know, do a bit of 
face-to-face physical events if you want versus digital. But we also really need to make sure that uh, we don't skip that, that, that middle part who is doing all the augmentation of the various elements to bring the total solution to the customer. So that part for us is, is equally important that we make sure that we're also actually uh, applying various tactics to bring that knowledge transfer and bring that insight uh, to our sellers of our indirect routes to market and our partner ecosystem. So that's that. What kind of tactics can you think about? We do actually a lot of engagement with them on their big trade shows where typically a large portion of their sellers is available. We also spend a lot of time on uh, partner enablement, whether it's with channel partners or alliances, wherefore actually we have also partner enablement teams. So luckily, <laughs> they're actually taking good care of that. And, and we also make sure that we do actually a lot of, say, to a degree, account-based marketing approaches to make sure that within specific partners, we are creating an uplift around the awareness around our solutions that are specific with that particular partner that we bring to market. So if it's a big SI, we want to make sure that within that SI, there is a good understanding that actually sees as part of their portfolio and what the role it is that we're playing in their total solution they're bringing to market or in their particular business practice that they're bringing to market and so on. So for all these partner types, we're, we're doing that equally. But also, we need to make sure we're driving a lot of tactics towards our end user communities because at the end of the day, we also, so this is all about pull and push at the end of the day, so we also want to make sure that also the end users have an understanding why they actually need us and actually that they can also request that from their partner but also, you know, with the changes of the whole routes to market these days where you have the hyperscalers or the cloud service providers, if you want, that have been on the rise the last few years, you know, the likes of Amazon, Google, and Microsoft with Azure. There is actually also more of a trend that you know, end users go directly to these marketplaces. And therefore, we also need to make sure that also those people on the end user side know where to find us and actually that they will find us or at least search for us. Uh, on those marketplaces for you know building and putting together their solutions on um, on these public clouds. So again, it's it's a mixture of face to face as well as digital. And the digital part, what I've experienced is on on the rise over the last three years, quite quite rigidly in comparison to before. But again, it's also about being more laser focused and more specific and being able to deliver a more relevant message uh, to the respective personas at the particular stage in the buying cycle. Absolutely. And that, that all makes sense. And that, that, was a, that was a great sort of insight into what you're doing there. And of course, those various different mediums or tactics that you're applying at face-to-face, um, at the events and the digital channels across your partner ecosystem, and then obviously influencing directly end users as well. Clearly, from a marketing perspective, that involves quite a bit of upfront investment, particularly at, for a software company, uh, for an open source company before you actually start recognizing revenue um, because you're, they're, they're starting to utilize your solution. And it's obviously not until you get to that point in time where you're either they either require your support or further subscriptions and services around that, that you, you start actually generating revenue. Now, prior to that stage, really, how, what, what are the, some of the sort of measurements that you can use to understand the impact that your marketing is actually having on these communities, both from a pre-revenue, but also at revenue stage. How, how do you measure the impact that your marketing is having on those communities? Yeah, and this is this is actually where things start to differ quite a bit from a few years ago and where you uh, see that some of the traditional software companies still have their uh, potential licensing models. 
uh, where you have you know a big deal, uh, you get all the cash up front, so it's yeah. all done and just you know you know exactly what it was that marketing has been contributing to the business. In this case, within subscription based or whether it's you know a recurring revenue stream, it becomes indeed a bit more complicated. So it's still all quite possible to measure the contributions we're making. But um, you have to do that over a longer period of time to really measure correctly what your actual impact is and therefore what your total return is of your invested euro, dollar or pound. Um, so where we are measuring in, in the first place our success from a marketing standpoint is what we are contributing to our pipeline. And, and I mean the active pipeline. So obviously we bring an awful lot of opportunities and some of those go, go on loss which is all you know, totally understandable. Uh, but we're also really measuring how, how much uh, subscription-based revenue do we contribute to the total pipeline. So that's one side of it. And then secondly, we're also measuring the success of you know, what's the revenue, the subscription-based revenue that we bring uh, to the bottom line, where we actually see also you know, the closed opportunities getting in our books. The one thing, though, that we're also moving forward to is actually to start uh, moving in the direction where we are able to measure the customer lifetime value. And this is a bit more complicated, particularly at least in our spaces, where you see that the, the initial order, the initial subscription, often is relatively low in terms of value because you know they get it set up, they do the test dev, and then actually if that all runs, they order uh, the next batch which actually is for their production environments. And this is where, you know, where it becomes more uh, important and interesting because then you see that over, you know, a 12 months period, for example, uh, the value of uh, that particular customer that we've brought to the business uh, is significantly higher than what it might have looked uh, after the first month. So yep. that's what I mean. You have to really look at the longevity of the customer relationship on the one hand, and also the value it builds up over the time. And you know, on the other hand, which is typically what you see by recurring or with recurring revenue streams, is that you also have to start factoring any churn that you're getting from, from your customer base. Because uh, at the end of the day, you have to make up for that because uh, if you get churn, you know, you're losing that revenue stream as well. Um, and this is, I think, the next step for organizations like ours that are sort of amid the uh, transformation of subscription even to recurring, which you also have seen with the likes of Microsoft, for example. Yeah. A good example is Adobe that uh, you know, had a very rich turn turnaround, but actually came out very strong. So a lot of software companies are going through that transition to really become not just subscription-based, but even recurring-based. Absolutely. And regarding that piece around reducing churn and, and really focusing on the customer success as you acquire a client and then how you can go from actually starting with a small client to helping them to become a larger client and then keeping them for the long period. We had a, an interesting discussion a few weeks ago on, on this podcast with a gentleman called Dan Steinman from uh, Gainsight. And uh, if you have any interest in, in listening to that, I'd encourage you to do so because that, that was, a, that was a, an in-depth discussion around the positive impact of customer success and how actually mm -hmm. the, what the importance is about of that function to, to reduce. He gave some very interesting stats around what Salesforce are doing and how actually a very, very high percentage, if not pretty much all of their bookings are now coming from repeat business and uh, their churn has become very low as they've invested more heavily in customer success and account management than they have of your, your typical new business sales uh, 
resources. One of the um, the points you made there was a, around tracking active opportunities and 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 opportunity, and then subsequently revenue, I should say. To get to that point, of course, from a marketing perspective, you have to generate leads and demand, as you touched on your role fulfilling at the start of this call. Being an open source company, we've seen it before when working with companies like Elastic, generate a large volume of inbound leads that typically need some some qualification before they get in the hands of your of your field sales rep or your inside sales rep, whoever would take that initial conversation. That may be because they're they're either too low level or they're not actually a business, they're just an individual that's interested in playing around with this sort of software. There's a lot of factors that will go into it, but they typically need some further qualification. For a business like yours, um, what sort of, I guess, percentage or or impact are those inbound leads that you'll generate a a lot of, of course, having... um, Coming on your on your pipeline of revenue is that is that a large percentage or is that what what are, what other sources would you have if if not? Yeah, excellent question. So one of the things that uh, we started uh, to focus on more, so we started about two years ago on that, is to firstly really enhance the quality levels on on an inquiry level from from an inbound perspective. So we had huge uh, quantities of inquiries about three years ago. Relatively speaking, there was a, a lower number that actually really filtered through. So obviously, it's nice to have a high volume of inquiries, but if the quality is not on par, you know what we what we require in order to be successful, then you need to see okay, what do we need to do to make sure that that quality level is going up? So that was also where we started to become more targeted, uh, do more segmentation, do more one to few, really embark on the digital side where you know you have a lot of ability to do to do to be more targeted, to be more specific, have a better and a more relevant message to the individuals. And actually now we really have seen a big shift in terms of that quality. So uh, on just on an inquiry level, we uh, are actually pretty much static year over year at the moment. But uh, on the contrary, we are driving plus 20% higher volume on the lead side. So actually it's really starting to pay off that, you know, you, you can still make a, a similar investment but actually drive much more potential pipeline uh, on the back of it. Your other question in terms of, you know, how do we sort of sift through that? We have uh, telequalifiers, and they're actually within marketing, so they're also in my team. And what they do is they go through all of these leads, so try to contact all of these individuals. So, you know, we work with the traditional scoring model, uh, so it's all based on the serious decision methodology, uh, which actually I think these days most people use. So, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, too, too specific or, or tailored, I would say. But anyway, they, they do work on, on the qualified, the automated qualified leads, and they uh, make sure that they have a capability to identify potential interest uh, based on then criteria. If they do that, then actually they will convert it, and then it's being handed off to sales. Uh, and we do that uh, by means of a so-called warm handoff, so we just not throw it over the fence or just push it through the systems. But uh, we also make sure that uh, the tally qualifiers work with our inside sales. We actually pick that up. Uh, they do the first touch on the sales side, that they know what it is that they're seeing, where it comes from, and they get some additional background in order to be effective with their follow-up, either themselves or actually that they convey it uh, to a sales rep uh, or to a partner account manager that you know then consequently can also work again with a partner on those leads. So, that's sort of the typical model that we apply at the moment. Okay, interesting. And, and as you've said over the, the course of our discussion, um, I think uh, approaching marketing for an open source company certainly has some differences 
particularly around the the uh, the communities piece, albeit it's still important to build trusted communities as no matter what type of software company you are. But I think that there's added value there for an open source company. Um, also, obviously, it's some slight differences when it comes to, uh, to to understanding what impact you're having from a pipeline and revenue perspective. But there's also some some similarities. So really interesting conversation. I appreciate your insights. So I think we're coming to the end of our, of our time today, Freak. So, and I really appreciate what you've shared with us today. So I guess last point would be if anyone wants to connect with you, learn more about you or SUSE as a company, what would be the best way to get in touch with both of uh, both you personally and also the business? Well, personally, you know, people can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> so people can find me there too. Um, if you want to connect with Suze or want to know more about what we offer, um, and also if you want to get in touch with Suze, you can visit suze.com and you can either use the chat or you can actually also submit a request call form and you'll be called back within 24 hours. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a good SLA. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, once again, thanks a lot for joining us today, um, Freak, and uh, it's been great having you on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.